Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with Sharon Ali. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Sharon Ali is a highly accomplished executive with expertise in marketing, business development, retail sales, and strategic planning. In 2018, she became regional general manager for Acreage Holdings, Prime Wellness's parent company. Today, we'll discuss her involvement with the cannabis industry, its ins and outs, and much more. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker, and today on the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have as our guest, general manager of Prime Wellness, is Sharon Arley. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you so much, Lewis. Uh, truly been looking forward to this, and uh, this is exciting. So thank you for the opportunity. We're here to talk about the cannabis business, all right? Now, we're, we're not going to use any while we're talking, okay? Because we <laughs> want our audience <laughs> to get some real answers, all right? Definitely. So we want to educate our audience on uh, the cannabis business and uh, everything from start to finish. So we're going to try to get through that today. I know it's, it's a big category, but let's see what we can get today. So first of all, Sharon, help us understand the difference between medical cannabis and recreational cannabis. Is there a difference? Yes, there is uh, definitely a difference. I'd start off by saying, Lewis, that when you think about cannabis in general, it's a very, very complex plant. Uh, there are so many uh, chemical compounds uh, that uh, are in this plant, uh, but there are two major uh, compounds that uh, most people are aware of. Uh, the first one is uh, THC, and THC is uh, what they call a psychoactive um, compound. That's the one that gives you the high that everyone <laughs> talks about, uh, as opposed to CBD, which is an anti-psychoactive uh, compound, and it's more moderating, controlling, more stable. Uh, so those are the two major compounds, and typically when you're thinking about medical marijuana, there's a higher proportion of CBD versus THC. Uh, the other key differences in terms of medical, uh, it always uh, at the state level has to be regulated by a medical professional. Uh, it is based on, um, again, by state, uh, any of a number of uh, qualifying serious medical conditions. Uh, it is uh, more often than not um, uh, heavily, heavily regulated uh, to ensure the highest possible uh, efficacy and safety. And uh, last but not least, I'd say in terms of medical, the vast majority of states, over 30 at this point, have legalized uh, medical marijuana. If you think about REC, um, I'd say in large part, REC, uh, again, if you think back to what I was saying in terms of uh, THC versus CBD, uh, higher proportion of THC, again, to get that high. There's less rigor as it relates to um, the amount of regulation. And at this point, there are 18 states that have elected uh, to legalize it from a REC standpoint. So those are the major differences. Is there ever any sort of time when 
THC and CBD are combined? Is, does that yes. ever happen? Yes. And again, um, great question. Uh, you know, the, the ratio, if you will, uh, can vary. But again, certainly from a medical standpoint, it is going to be regulated in terms of what those percentages are. Okay. So Sharon, how did you get into the cannabis business? I was going to say, how did you get into the weed business? But <laughs> I, I, I guess that wouldn't be proper. All right. <laughs> Well, you know what, Lewis, in, in some ways, it seems like only yesterday. Um, it is literally, uh, as of this month, um, four months that I officially started. Um, an opportunity came up, uh, frankly, just based on uh, some connections I had. And uh, I had a group that uh, was uh, very, very interested in uh, applying for a permit for medical marijuana in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania had uh, legislated... Uh, that uh, they were going to go med uh, as of 2016, uh, went through a whole application and interviewing process in 2017, and literally was coming back from a reunion trip uh, from my alma mater, Dartmouth, and got the news in June that uh, we had gotten a uh, permit for a grower processor. And again, the grower processor is, uh, I'll say, the heart and soul in terms of uh, from start to finish, um, it is the production of medical marijuana and uh, the cultivation, the growing and ultimately packaging it to then in turn be shipped out to uh, dispensaries. Uh, so that's how I got started. And again, I'd say Lewis that for me, it was just an incredible opportunity to just built on my career in healthcare. So I was really excited about it. So if, if you are a grower, is it like a farmer? Uh, so do you consider yourself like a, a farmer uh, of corn or wheat, except um, you just doing <laughs> farming wheat, right? I would say, no, I, I, I consider myself, I mean, certainly when the, within the agricultural reign, you could say that. But again, uh, you know, in terms of medical marijuana, I cannot stress enough, it's a highly, highly regulated business. Uh, clearly there are different regulations in terms of agriculture, but I would say in my opinion, uh, especially in Pennsylvania, everything is regulated from start to finish. And uh, again, it's all with uh, ensuring that the product that's being delivered to the patient community is the best, best pro possible product. So I don't consider myself a farmer. I consider myself who, uh, someone who is just, I have a passion, Frank, frankly, in terms of health and wellness. And I see this as uh, that next frontier in terms of healthcare. How big is the cannabis industry in, in terms of dollars and cents? Well, legally, the legal, right? I'll stress that. <laughs> the legal. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> Very good, Sharon. Legally, it's uh, over $20 billion as of last year. And the projections at this point is that it's going to top over 90 billion um, in, within the next five years. So time will tell, but it's an incredibly, incredibly large growing industry. And it's one again that, uh, you know, is growing by leaps and bounds, uh, especially from a medical standpoint, because there's the growing consciousness and awareness that uh, it is, uh, the therapeutic value is just um, uh, absolutely indispensable. So uh, give us some sort of details and insight on your particular company in Philadelphia. 
So we're actually located uh, Berks County, a number of miles from Philly uh, in a town called Sinking Spring, which earns its name. (laughs) There are actually sinkholes, which we've unfortunately come across, um, hence, you know, the Sinking Spring uh, name. Um, So again, uh, just really, really fortunate, uh, as you might imagine, highly, highly competitive selection process. Pennsylvania is uh, at that time and certainly has become uh, looked upon as a core industry market. Uh, In terms of prime wellness, we got one of the first 12 permits and uh, started off with myself. um, And I had four others at that time, uh, including uh, my uh, director of production, I had a uh, operating officer, um, kind of a jack of all trades, and again, a director of security. And literally, Lewis, you know, we, uh, we had six months from the time that we got the notification to, uh, that we had been uh, uh, awarded the permit. So uh, broke ground in September 2017 and uh, literally stood up a 30,000 square foot facility. Uh, by the end of uh, December. And uh, we had said that, uh, you know, as we're looking at the product that we wanted to bring to market, we decided that we wanted to start with seeds only, prime, right? It's primary, it's important. So literally uh, started the whole uh, process in terms of germination uh, in February and launched prime in July of 2018. So uh, last month we celebrated our third anniversary. Uh, at this point, I've got a uh, team that uh, is uh, heading towards a group of 80. Um, I've got, a, <laughs> I'd say, a fairly young, dynamic, very passionate team, well-trained, a very diverse team. And uh, we're just very focused on being uh, one of the best in the Commonwealth. So, so let me ask you something about what you said. You said there were 12 licenses available. Yeah, so, so PA is what they call a limited licensing state, um, uh, Lewis. <laughs> so in Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania, by virtue of the fact that they were middle of the pack in terms of legalizing medical, took a look at what other states had done that preceded them and decided that they were only going to issue 25 licenses and they split them up into two phases. We got a license, uh, again, as a grower processor in phase one. There are one of 12 licenses. So again, as you look at the odds, uh, again, just incredible. And then the second phase, you had uh, 13. Uh, There were also 50 permits for dispensaries, which is the retail side of the business. Each dispensary permit comes with uh, three locations. So you have a grand total of 150 locations. And then the thing that really distinguishes Pennsylvania is they decided that they were going to add a clinical research element. And the clinical research element essentially says, you know, we really want to understand and do much, much more in terms of researching, understand the medicinal um, impact of uh, medical marijuana. So they actually set up then eight grower processors, processors who in turn then partnered with uh, medical schools in Pennsylvania. So that's one of the distinguishing features in terms of the Pennsylvania program. So when you get these licenses, do you know at that point how and where you're gonna grow? Uh, Or do you then, once you get the license, have to go out and try to find acreage and whatever else you need to sort of figure out how to grow? Good question. 
Good question. Uh, no, uh, I'll tell you again that the application process, it's probably hundreds of pages, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that, and it is a soup to nuts, and you have to literally lay out your plan from start to finish in terms of, um, while understanding, obviously, the regulations in terms of Pennsylvania, how you're going to, in this case, cultivate, grow, package uh, medical marijuana with the top-notch security and surveillance. Uh, I have a team at this point of almost 10 people that are dedicated to security and surveillance. We had purchased the land. So all of those elements you have to actually put in a plan. And then part and parcel of that also too is how are you gonna engage with the community? <clears throat> There's a whole diversity plan that uh, you have to lay out. So it's a soup to nuts proposition. And it is, you know, judged and evaluated by, uh, in this case, uh, DOH. And uh, again, ultimately, we were one of the 12 that got uh, one of the first 12 licenses. And you, you talked about this term seed, which I'm assuming it's, it's like a seed, which you yes. put in dirt. And that. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a real novice here. So, Sharon, <laughs> so you got to hold on. So do you grow your product inside a facility or do you grow yes. your product in the ground or how, yes. how is it? Yes. yes. So uh, we have a indoor facility. As you think about types of facilities, there's indoor, there's outdoor, there's greenhouse. Uh, in Pennsylvania, we elected to go the indoor route. So the 30,000 square feet uh, that I referenced, uh, obviously, uh, the vast majority of that space is set up uh, to, again, cultivate and grow these plants. Um, as you might imagine, Lewis, it is a very, very, very exacting process, right? You've got to have a, just the healthiest grow environment. You've got to be able to manipulate at different stages um, and uh, focus on the temperature, the lighting, the humidity at each stage, you know, from germination to cloning, the vegetative to flowering till you harvest it, right? So um, we have a, a team obviously that we've trained over time that is, you know, frankly, from my standpoint, an exceptionally high performing team. And everything is done in such a way that, uh, again, it's regulated. We have standard operating procedures. Everyone has to follow those procedures and uh, everyone knows it. So when, when you say regulated, what do they regulate? Do they regulate the quality? So is it an inspector that comes out and say, let me test the quality of your cannabis? <laughs> and <laughs> do they break off a leaf or do they do something with it? <laughs> yeah, so so when I say regulate, um, I'm talking about regulate, uh, so for example, lab testing. Uh, again, that is one of the critical distinctions between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana, right? Because uh, again, we want to ensure that the product that we're taking to market, safest, most efficacious product. So uh, we actually have a two-tier <laughs> testing process, right? There are independent labs that, again, have uh, received their certification from the state of Pennsylvania to operate as labs. And uh, they will come in and sample. They'll pull samples of our batches, right? And then they'll put those batches through a battery of tests. And again, based on standards, obviously, uh, you have to pass. If you don't, if you have a failing result, you have to retest twice, 
with the same uh, lab supplier. So that's one example of the reg. Uh, another example would be, I've got 24-7 uh, surveillance, um, uh, video surveillance of every part of the facility. Uh, so again, you know, we're, we're making sure that everything's being done based on both the regs and also based on our standard operating procedures. To your point, we can have inspectors from the Department of Health show up unannounced anytime. They can ask us to say, hey, I'd like to see the footage from this date. You have to be prepared to show it. Uh, I'd like to see uh, the employees that you just brought on a, a month ago. Uh, to that point, uh, in terms of uh, actually the, the hiring and uh, the recruitment process, uh, you have to pass an F FBI background check. You have to be fingerprinted and you have to pass a two hour training course. So again, those are just some of the regs at every step of the way uh, in terms of medical marijuana. Wow, wow, a FBI background check. Hmm. Yes. Okay, I'm going to leave that right there, Sarah, and I'm not going to go any farther than that. Right. <laughs> and when that question is asked in the interview and you hesitate, it's, uh, okay. That's, uh, no, that's a non-starter. I've, I've, I've had one of those before, and I'm not going to tell you if I passed or failed, all right? <laughs> Touche. Okay. So when people think about cannabis, they, they you know normally think about money. I mean, because whenever it's talked about, whether illegal or legal, they right. usually have some dollar figures attached to it. Where is the sort of biggest opportunity on the growing side of the business or on the retail side of the business? I would say, uh, frankly, Lewis, it is, uh, it's both in the sense that um, you know, we just run a wholesale operation, right? From seed to sale, we call it, right? And uh, we are, um, you know, as we look at how we manage our business, we're looking at it through the lens of uh, what's been approved from a forum standpoint, and just literally be in a position where, as we look at our product mix, how do we ensure we're bringing to market the forms that patients want? And we have a clear understanding as far as uh, I'll say the cost to produce, uh, because ultimately, you know, it is that oh so critical, delicate balance of uh, being able to uh, service the needs in a manner of speaking of the patient population, but at the same time, obviously having a profitable uh, enterprise. Uh, so I would say that uh, the wholesale piece uh, is, is critically important and the management is in large part going to drive your ability to be, um, to be financially, I'll say, uh, profitable. Uh, again, this is a market, it's a big, big, big market. I just saw some stats last week. There are currently over 600,000 uh, registered patients and uh, caregivers in the PA program. That's a huge, huge number. Pennsylvania has over 13 million people. So it's almost 5%. Uh, it's probably one of the best in the country. If you think about it from a retail standpoint, uh, again, it's that uh, direct patient facing. Uh, again, uh, you are literally sourcing product from different grower processors, uh, at, unless you are vertically integrated. So vertically integrated is, you know, you have uh, a grow process facility, and you've got dispensaries. And so again, it's your ability to manage it in a way that um, 
you know, is going to, to, to best position you to compete in the market. And I would say also too, in that regard, location, location, location. If you look at how Pennsylvania is set up, almost uh, 35% of the population is in what we call the Southeast region. There's six regions and uh, Philly is obviously in that region, right? Uh, the other big, big, big uh, hub is going to be uh, the Pittsburgh area. So again, you wanna be in a location that uh, gives you access to as many patients as possible. Does the demand ever uh, challenge your supply? Yes, uh, <laughs> it does, good question. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it does. Uh, you know, we uh, probably have one of the smallest footprints in uh, Pennsylvania and uh, for, uh, from our standpoint, uh, again, we want to be in a position that we're supplying everything that we package, right? Um, and so we've got a situation where we are working with a third-party transport provider. And, uh, you know, it's a whole process in terms of order fulfillment. But ultimately, um, one of the things that will drive, I'll say, supply is the selection of the strains that we use and the yields, right? Which uh, to the extent that they're above and beyond average, that's gonna give us more product to go to market. But uh, yeah, you know, from our standpoint, we're looking at how high is up. And again, knock on wood from all indications, uh, it's a thriving market. Great, great. So Sharon, we, we believe that most successful people uh, have had waymakers in their life, meaning that nobody gets to where they are without somebody intentionally intervening uh, in their journey. Tell us about some of the waymakers that have sort of helped you along the way. Well, first of all, uh, I would say uh, my parents, especially my mother. Um, my mother had an expression that uh, my sisters and I, uh, we embrace to this day. And the expression is, uh, nothing beats a failure but a try. My mother was a supreme optimist. Um, she always wanted the best for her kids. Uh, she was uh, a valedictorian of her high school class, wanted to be a lawyer, unfortunately didn't realize that ambition, but she's seen it realized with, uh, two of my sisters uh, and two of my nieces and two more coming at this point. So my mother uh, is just an absolute um, inspiration to me. Um, and, uh, you know, she is definitely a way maker in terms of all that she did to help me get to this place. Um, I would also say too that um, as I look back on my healthcare career, um, I, uh, there, there were a number of people who really helped me learn. I was just out of uh, business school and there were a number of uh, people who kind of took me under their wing first, you know, job and, you know, really tried to learn the ropes and how to navigate uh, in a corporate environment, uh, right? So certainly there are a number of people who helped me in that regard. And I'd say currently, Lewis, um, I, and I don't say this lightly, uh, have have really, really built um, an exceptional team. And uh, the guy who is my um, senior director now of uh, production uh, has uh, lived and worked in other cannabis states, uh, comes with over a decade of experience, and he has been a driving force in terms of our success. Um, so those are just some of the people who, you know, professionally and personally, 
have uh, made an indelible impression and helped me get to where I'm at, where I am today. Uh, final question, Sharon, for the people of color who may be listening to this podcast and reading the article, who may be thinking about this may be an industry uh, that I'm interested in, what advice would you give them to sort of find more out about the industry and how to get started uh, in the cannabis industry? What advice would you give them? I, I would suggest a couple of things, Lois. Um, I would say, first of all, uh, you know, as they say, knowledge is power, right? Uh, so the notion of uh, really uh, tapping into uh, industry resources like MJ Biz, right, is, is one of those key resources that uh, gives a fairly in-depth view of what's happening on a state-by-state -state basis, what's happening in terms of the industry overall, uh, they actually have a conference that's coming up in Nevada in um, October, um, it's typically the end of the year, but again, during these challenging times, they move to October. So getting to know the industry and getting to know it in terms of tapping into those resources uh, and also being in a position where if you know people who know people, you have connections, um, the opportunity to talk with them about the industry, get a sense in terms of how did they get to where they were at? I've had obviously a number of people reached out that way and I always try to help. Um, I'd say also too, in terms of um, identifying what's gonna be the right fit. Do you wanna be on the wholesale side of the business? Do you wanna be the person who's actually nurturing those plants? Uh, do you wanna be the person who is the customer face, right? Selling the product into dispensary customers? Uh, or do you want to be on the retail side where you are uh, a patient care consultant and you're engaging with uh, patients and caregivers and providing them with the product knowledge? Uh, and again, you can toggle back and forth. But again, we, we actually went through a fairly significant recruiting blitz. And that blitz included a number of people who had been on the retail side who now want to step back and get a hands-on understanding of the wholesale side. The other thing I would say is uh, really be prepared. This is an industry that uh, at this point, uh, you have a number of, uh, I'll say fairly large multi-state operators, uh, but you also have operators that are in startup mode. Uh, so, you know, uh, really be prepared for, uh, I'll say facing the uncertainties of a highly, highly regulated industry and being nimble and adaptive in terms of how you then uh, position yourself to learn and more importantly, be in a position to move forward and progress. Great. Well, Sharon, thank you so much uh, for this quick, uh, as I would say, 101 cannabis uh, <laughs> lesson. Uh, I'm sure mm -hmm. that there, uh, a lot of our audience will have more questions and more insight. Uh, want more insight. So how can they sort of get in touch with you? Uh, are you on social media platforms? We actually are uh, primewellnesspa.com uh, is our right. website. Yep. And, uh, and what, what about you personally? <laughs> what about me personally? Because <laughs> they won't talk to you. They won't talk to you. <laughs> S.Ali at uh, acreageholdings.com. Okay. Thank you so much for, for sharing with our audience. Uh, this is, uh, I'm sure, 
will be one of the most engaged and listened to podcasts because uh, it's a hot topic in our country. It's a hot topic in our communities. So thank you for taking us through some of the basics of the cannabis business today. And we wish you continued uh, good luck in your business endeavors. Thank you so much, Lewis, and I look forward to hearing it. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Sharon Ali. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to claim your first six months of the Waymaker Journal free at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.